0: This is a Founding Media Podcast, produced at Austin Community College District. Welcome to Science in the Mall, y'all. I'm your host, Dan Dillard. If you live in Austin, you've probably heard of zebra mussels. The invasive species are wreaking havoc on Central Texas waterways. John Higley, CEO of EQO, has a vision on how to solve this problem. He, like many Austinites, has played in bands, worked in the tech industry, and now has a startup, EQO. His latest project is working to protect water resources through early detection, monitoring, mitigation, and eventually eradication of invasive mussels. Let's hear more about him and how he and his team are looking to tackle this new and expanding problem. I first want to say, John, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, really thanks for having me. Looking forward to just chatting and getting to know you, your work a little bit more. Um, I'm really fascinated by, first of all, the work that you're doing, but let's get into that near in a little bit. Sure. I want to learn more about you and, you know, where you were, you know, your upbringing, what what caused you this path and, you know, what drives you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm originally from Newport, Rhode Island, okay. um, but kind of mostly grew up in the Dallas area uh came down to UT for undergraduate and never really left. Uh, when I first got here, I kind of was going to either go the medical route and go mm-hmm. to med school or I was going to be a lit major because I really liked philosophy. So then I found biology and realized, oh, this is the actual study of life. All the answers I want from philosophy are actually contained in a science. And I'm naturally good at that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it was a good fit. So I became a research scientist. Um and of course with all my lofty idealistic goals I went directly into cancer research and that's what I did for about 15 years Um, with a number of various companies biotech companies Eventually landing at a place called Molecular Templates, which was now it's a much larger company here. Um, when I was there, it was just me and the CEO and mm-hmm. one other person for a mm-hmm. bit.
0: Um, so you went, it, it, you were already used to the entrepreneurism world.
1: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I kind of already went through that once. I mean, I wasn't a uh, C-suite there; I was kind of brought in early right, right. as a sci- as a you know um, as a scientist, and I really dug that whole thing. But at the end of that, I kind of was like, all right, I've done this. You now I did the. I did the, um, you know, going from uh, preclinical up to a clinical and Mm -hmm. creating a biopharmaceutical drug. It was for a a cancer cure. Mm -hmm. And um, so then I was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do next. But while I was there, I had this idea to do this zero muscle research, which we can get into later. But um, that's where I kind of got the idea and kind of wanted to start applying those uh, technologies that we develop in the world of oncology and start Mm -hmm. utilizing them for uh, helping the environment. Hmm. And um, so, my joke is usually that, you know, I already cured cancer, so I wanted to try something hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and so, kind of my, you know, who I am, I, you know, mostly grew up in Dallas area, been in Austin for almost 20 years now. Oh, wow. um, And let's see what else. Uh, yeah, got four kids. Um, they're great. Um, oldest one's 17, 14 year old, an eight year old, and a four year old. Okay. Uh, Keeps your hands full. Yep. Keeps me on my toes. I used to play in bands. Obviously, Mm -hmm. this is Austin. It used to be, everybody would ask like, oh, what do you do? Oh, I play, I'm in a band. So what do you do (laughs) for a living? You know, I work at Dell. (laughs) So now it seems it's, oh, what do you do? I'm in a band. Okay, what do you really do? I have a startup. Okay, what do you do for money? (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) But I actually get paid for my startup. So there's
0: that. That's funny. What, you know, going back to even before you, you decided to go into... I just kind of wonder, wondered what um, your passion, what drove you as a kid. Were you always interested in science or was it just kind of like I you was, fell into it or is there an event that happened? Yeah,
1: or? I was always kind of naturally – I had good aptitude for it. It mm-hmm. kind of came easily. But I remember when I was in like I think it was fifth grade and it was some honors class thing it was creative things. I like creative stuff. And um, some friends of mine, you know, it was like predicting for the friends, what do you think this person is going to be in the group? A friend of mine was, like, adamant that I would be a scientist, and I was heartbroken. I was like, never, no, you're so wrong. (laughs) She was right. Um, But no, so it wasn't something that I really – I wanted to do kind of more – originally, I was kind of uh, more drawn to literature and music and Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, I was just kind of always good at the math and science stuff, Mm -hmm. just naturally. And, um, then I, uh, you know, bio- really finding biology, like I didn't really love biology when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. It was when I was in undergrad. There was just something that he said that just kind of clicked in my, um, existential philosophy dork brain. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, that's so much more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so then I kind of fell into this. Um, yeah. So it wasn't something that was even the entrepreneurship stuff. I mean, a lot of that comes from, you know, playing in bands and things like that especially mm-hmm. like you know playing in a lot of punk and indie bands mm-hmm. and it was always this kind of diy attitude you mm-hmm. know just you know, screw the record companies we make our own thing mm-hmm. you know and it's not about getting rich it's about making something interesting that nobody else has done before and so mm-hmm. really this is kind of a culmination of the philosophical and activist ideals and um the DIY punk rock startup spirit, you know, Mm -hmm. we're applying that to this and the creative thing because I am you know, we're, what we do is not normal, right? It's kind of, it's not something somebody else has done before. And it's pretty, uh, it's, it takes some creativity and it also takes some scientific know-how. so it's kind of a blend of everything I've kind of always wanted to do in a weird way, make big positive change and do it in a creative way that not other people could look at it and do the same way, you know?
0: I find it really fascinating. And, and why I do what I do as far as interviews and entrepreneurism and all the things is because I just find it f- fascinating the, the journey that people take or the journey that just kind of like unfolds in front of them. And right. so as, as a kid, you think you're going to do one thing and then you end up, It life just unfolds for you. And yep. it's so cool how it unfolds for you. And, you know, none of us is, is, uh, uh, pigeonholed into one thing. It's like you know, right. I, I talk to people all the time that we were going down this path, and all of a sudden, you know, it changed, and we started doing this, and it could be completely polar opposites. Right. One would think, you know, oh, I was an engineer, and I became a scientist. Now I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. There's all kinds of things that life can just unfold in front of you. So I just think it's really cool, especially when you're passionate about several things, and they all kind of culminate into yeah. one thing. So it make sounds- it
1: that special chimeric blend of you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) chimeras that's something i deal with but anyway yeah
0: (laughs) one of the things that i think is fascinating about your work now is um you know i think everybody in austin understands zero muscles after last year uh, having to deal with stinky water and all that kind of stuff so i really want to understand you know um more about the, the zebra mussel issue to begin sure. with and then how you decided to tackle that and, and and how you've you know the work that you do now so why don't you we start by just talking to the, the public about you know why this is a problem and
1: sure and, you know. yeah so zebra muscles are you um, they're dracynids, uh, so dracynia is a genus that uh, I won't get too in depth. But basically, they look like mussels, like the little itty bitty version of the you know the prints, the PEI mussels that you might order or something like that. They look like little itty bitty versions of that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not though; they're actually called a false mussel, and they're really native only to. Uh, the Black and Caspian Seas in Russia. They showed up in the Great Lakes as an invasive species in the 80s. Uh, The Great Lakes are kind of a perfect breeding ground for invasive species, just because uh, I won't get too into the geology and the Mm -hmm. ecology of the Great Lakes, but it's a a very sensitive area. So they showed up in the 80s. They didn't show up in Texas until 2009 was the first infestation, and that was up at Lake Texoma on the Oklahoma border. And they've kind of just spread throughout. And, you know, one of the problems is they're kind of, I mean, I know Star Trek's back on. So they're <laughs> kind of like the Bork. They just take over an entire ecosystem. They grow <laughs> out of control. They use up all the natural resources. So they eat up all the primary food supplies that the other animals in the lake depend on. Mm-hmm. Um, they disrupt uh, some local mussels like the uh, unionidias or endangered mussel species that we have in a lot of our lakes and streams around here. And they, so they just completely crash the food chain. They also uh, make the water a lot more clear, which kind of thing people think, oh, that's good. You know, why does Town Lake look like the Caribbean? You know, mm-hmm. Or well, Lake Travis does right now. Mm-hmm. And that may be pretty, but it's actually really bad for the environment because that's yeah. just a lack of all that stuff. And that yeah. also means that then the light can penetrate deeper. So it gets hotter, deeper than it's supposed to, oh, wow. which further changes the ecosystem. Wow. Um, so different plants are growing and you're selecting for different things and it just completely takes over. Uh, now, economically, why people care so much is that they grow in these massive swarms, and they completely clog up pipes and infrastructure, and they cause in the U.S. about seven billion dollars are spent just on that species. Wow! So um, I didn't know what a zebra mussel was in 2011, mm-hmm. and which is, you know, I have to admit that. But I was at a Christmas party it was a relative of mine and my best friend. We're both complaining about zebra mussels and Lake Texoma for totally different reasons. Mm-hmm. As the biologist in the room, I get a little social anxiety because it's like, I don't know what this is. And I should. Mm-hmm. So I start looking through the lit on my phone because I've got PubMed on there and um, some other, you know, uh, EBSCO and things like that. And I realize it's like, these guys are like 30 years behind. Mm-hmm. Like this stuff we're doing, you know, if I'm going to kill a cancer cell, the whole trick is to just kill the cancer cell and leave everything else alone. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's the same thing in the environment. Mm -hmm. I want to kill just the zebra, must leave everything else alone. Mm -hmm. And then realize, well, that'd be be a cool idea for a company. And at the time, I was doing that with cancer cures. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was no way to fund such a lofty idea Mm -hmm. without some significant grants and some backing, and it just wouldn't have been done. Uh, So I realized then, well, what about cancer diagnostics? Again, same problem. If you want to catch cancer early, you want to find it when it's rare. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, you know, because that's when it's. There's not much of that. Same thing with this, right? You want to catch it early. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it takes over. And right now, you know, in the way that they were doing it before is they're just looking for the the larvae, the villagers, mm-hmm. like the babies. But there's an inherent problem there, right? So if you're only trying to find the babies, it means it's already spawning. Right. So this is like detecting cancer after it's already metastatic, Got it. right? It's, that's a dead patient. Mm-hmm. So we go – you know, we start using those technologies that we use in cancer diagnostics for – detecting them earlier and then if you really want to effectively treat a cancer you have to characterize it so then we started doing using those technologies to not just understand is the population there or not but is it alive or dead is it responding to stress what's the population doing so we can treat it effectively Mm -hmm. Um, but ultimately what we're working on is not just about zebra mussels that's just kind of our like our beachhead market species Mm -hmm. um it's It's the whole ecosystem. It's protecting endangered species by monitoring where they are and figuring out what's going on to their populations in the environment. It's um, protecting against other invasive species like Asian carp and things like that. And ultimately trying to help uh, create biodiverse, sustainable ecosystems. Essentially in biology, the more diversity that you have, uh, the stronger a system is. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same way within a population of people, right? So it kind of works out. Increased diversity mm-hmm. leads to increased resilience of any population in biology. Um, you can take that as you will with philosophical and right. sociological experts. I tend to think that's quite beautiful, but, you know. yeah, Sure. So that was long. Sorry about oh, that. No, that's okay. <laughs> no, I,
0: I was just like just hanging on to every word you were saying. I was like, wow, I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought about that. So go back 2000 and you said – 2011? 2011, 2011 yeah. and you didn't know what it was. You started researching, so you can take some of the technology that you already were used to using for treating cancer and start identifying the issues with zero muscles. So, where are we at as far as is, is it still kind of has there been any control or anything co- that has come out that is, is helping the situation uh, for zero muscles or is that still kind of in the works?
1: Yeah, so we're working on something, but I'll talk about the market that's out there right now. Yeah. So, Mostly it's for after the intake. So once it's in a system, there's some pretty harsh chemicals people can put in there, but they're not specific to zebra mussels. They're, they kill everything. Like, so there's like chlorine, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, um, you know, things like chlorine and copper and stuff like that. They're not super specific. And then you have to remove them before it hits the drinking water. And uh, the issue is there's also a dosing thing in different mm-hmm. water chemistries and different size pipes. It works differently. Mm-hmm. So unless you're monitoring it constantly, you don't really know if it's working well enough or not. And you can't be dumping chlorine into the lake. So you're right. not ever actually cause, solving the the root of the problem. Right. There are a couple of products that are better. Mm-hmm. Um, one is uh, EarthTech QZ. Uh, it's not – it's not bad. It's not great. It's a um, it is a copper formula, mm-hmm. but it's uh, they y- you can dose it lower. So they try and say it's more environmentally friendly. But so it's a slight improvement, but it's still not specific.
0: And this is and the, these products that you're talking about are for water treatment.
1: Yeah, these are primarily for, for water treatment. You can't really put these in the lake. Got it. Earth Tech claims that you can. Texas says no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's one of those. Yeah, because um, I. I I have have doubts about it not harming the local muscle populations that are native, Mm -hmm. right? So, and there's another product out there called Zequinox, and this is kind of the first foray into a biological control. Mm -hmm. It's not super specific. It's kind of discovered via serendipity, um, and it's kind of expensive, and there's some issues with it. but it's, it's again, an improvement. And the good thing about that one is it went through the whole regulatory pathway. Mm-hmm. So we can kind of follow that for our solution. Got it. So.
0: And you are looking at, So is your solution also water treatment only or is it actually treating it's the... It's for the leg? It's for, it the for the lake?
1: actual... It's for the root cause. So, I mean, I guess I can get talked about. This is kind of cool. This is yeah. weird. Yeah, <laughs> look, let's do that. <laughs> so this is kind of... Molecules are going to turn into Lego blocks here. So mm-hmm. I'm going to try and use it as... Be as a, you know, a 5,000-foot view as, as sure. possible. Yeah. Um, so essentially... We're trying to kill just the muscle, right? Mm -hmm. And there are enzymes and proteins that have evolved over time uh, because we're in a constant rat race with bacteria and things that want to kill us, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) We build up our defenses, they build up theirs. And the, the thing called Pseudomonas exotoxin A which sounds fancy, but essentially it's an exotoxin that targets the root of the cell. It, it cuts out its ability to create proteins, so it just completely obliterates cells. And that's a function that doesn't that you can't evolve away from quickly because it's a very it, – if you think about it, if you're trying to remodel your house, right, and if you, um, if you take out a wall – Right, mm-hmm. Fine, moving some some, uh, some wiring around or whatever, but you can't take it out where the support beam is. That's right. a lot more, right? It's the right. same thing within a cell. So if you take out a function that's compl- that you can't live without, right. then it it's can take it out, right? It. So anyway, so we take the part of the exotoxin that does all the dirty work, the mm-hmm. enzymatic portion, and we get rid of the targeting domain. So now it's totally nascent. You could drink it. It can't bind to the cell, so it can't do anything. And then we take a, a some a target domain that we created with bureau of reclamation that's specific for zebra mussels and tack it onto that portion. So now mm. we've retrained this toxin to only be able to detect to attack zebra and quagga mussels. It's like a lock and key thing, right? Wow. And then we there's a gene for this chimeric protein we've made. So if, if you're if you're keeping track, this is so far we have a protein that was evolved in a bacteria that we've chopped up. Mm. We've got a chunk of an antibody that we're using as a targeting domain that was made in a mouse um and then grown as, then merged with a human cancer cell so we can immortalize it in the lab so now we've got humans mice and bacteria all in the same thing and then wow. we're going to take the gene for that and put it into a microalgae because microalgae you can grow it super cheap yeah. and you basically tell the microalgae produce this protein you can grow it up super, super cheap. It's natural to the environment. Mm-hmm. So then you can just kill it off. So you're not introducing anything alive. Put it in the environment, and then for anything else that eats it, it's just eating microalgae. But it carries this poison pill in it. So super, and quagga mussels eat it, it. Kills them. One particle, they're dead. That's wow. the approach that we're doing.
0: Wow in like 2 minutes we just learned the the solve of that that's <laughs> pretty, that's pretty big. And that 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 to me is per, uh, you know it's a it, when I saw the work that you're doing I was really quite in, intrigued because I've got a boat out on Travis and up until I guess last year you know you, you saw the signs about zebra mussels but we didn't see them and right. then all of a sudden they're here right and you're like wow they're everywhere every, it's just like overnight yeah uh, and so it's nice to see that uh, someone's tackling that from from a from a perspective of it's we're only tackling that and nothing else yeah so how long until this you, you think this is ready to get out and start working and, and yeah to so the
1: lakes our company's kind of split it mm-hmm. uh two parts when this is what we call our, our eco Rx the prescription for whatever I can't remember what the tagline is but marketing thought it was brilliant um, so in any case <laughs> this is this is kind of part of that side of it other side of detection and monitoring um, so this should start doing in-water testing by the end of this year okay. or early 2021 and that's not like we're just going to put it all at Lake Travis. Right. There'd be some projects where essentially we boom off an area mm-hmm. and just treat that area and then go and test and say okay what did it do? Did it disrupt this? Did it you know, did it work as expected? Mm-hmm. So right now all this, the development that we're doing is in the lab okay. um, far away from you know I'm not right, <laughs> this, right, right, is, right, this right. is not going to be um, some terrible sci-fi movie overnight. Exactly. Right. So, <laughs> um, yeah so right now it's all in the lab end of 2020 beginning in 2021 we'll start doing limited and water testing
0: okay and then how long does that typically take the testing before it starts impacting
1: oh before we can start doing the mm-hmm. whole lake mm-hmm. um, so we have some partners at a group called exponent mm-hmm. uh there are consultancy service or dealing with the regulatory side and mm-hmm. commercialization and um you know i th- that i would really defer to them as far as a perfect timeline yeah. um i know that it took zequinox uh it looked as equinox was pushing for two to three years and ended mm-hmm. up being, I think closer to three to four years. It. So it'd probably be along that time frame too, before we can just treat an entire lake without, you know, with, the, with the EPA saying that's okay. Right. Yeah.
0: And then once you do one, it's much faster. Than the yeah, once
1: we get approval, we can do any lake. Got it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so who, who
1: ends up paying for all of this? Is it, is it? That's is a great question. Okay. It varies considerably, right? Okay. Cause I mean, you know, I've had neighborhood organizations wanting to pull up a collection. I'm like, it's going to be a big collection, guys. It's expensive, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes municipalities will do it. A lot of times they're just doing it from the intake, though. Uh, The river authorities have some involvement. But it varies from state to state, region to region, city to city. Who ends up paying for what parts of it? Because everybody mm. has different interests. Everybody uses water, so it gets mm. quite convoluted. Mm. And then places like up in the Great Lakes region, they have uh, some regional collectives specifically around dealing with invasive and endangered species. In Texas, it's different. Every state is different. So the answer is uh, everybody, really. Right. I mean, ultimately, it shows up on our water bill. Yeah, you know, it's yep. going to the, the you know city just approved a pretty hefty package for zebra mussel treatment, and that's just their end of the treatment post intake wow. and that's going to show up on our water bill.
0: Mm-hmm. So we all do. It yeah. benefits us all, even though you're not, you don't have a boat on the lake. You're, we're still right. using, using the water, but even those that we I mean, obviously people have boat on the lake, they, they're directly seeing it. Yep. And you're going to,
1: your marina fees are going to increase and you mm-hmm. have to pay some people. And I'm sure you're <laughs> dealing with it already. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> we'll I mean, faster.
0: It, it, it is. It is what it is. What, um, wh- wh- where's your business going to be in the next five years?
1: Uh, five years from now, well, we should have this launched. So by then, we're hoping to have um, – so we also do these um, automated samplers for monitoring mm-hmm. and, pop, and basically uh, monitoring the populations, not just are they there or not, but really getting into what they're doing so that you can control them. So the idea would be five years from now, we would have a whole bunch of these automated samplers out there mm-hmm. across the country and probably into Canada and Europe. I'm talking to Europe right now about how to get that over there. And so we'd be monitoring and finding out where they're cropping up, what's happening, what invasives are coming in, what's going on with the natives, and we know then what the treatment plan is. And then after we treat it, say for a zebra mussel infestation, just you know, as, as an example, I go in, we'd treat it with our product to get rid of them. We would me- then have to continue to measure to make sure that we got rid of them all or don't need to retreat. And then we have to continue measuring to make sure they don't come back. Cool. You know, this is just like, again, with the cancer patient, right? Mm-hmm. Um, once you get... Um, you know, when, once you get your cancer removed or if you go into remission, mm-hmm. you still have to go back right. over and over again for uh, for continued testing. Yeah. And that's eventually where we'll be in five years is that's, that's uh, would end up being the business. Um, we would be uh, – we call, say in pharma and biotech is like we'll own the stack, you know, from uh, prevention to diagnostics to services to um, remission control.
0: And then this goes back and as you were telling the story earlier, you uh, solve the zebra mussel Issue, then you look at other invasive species yeah, with the same technology,
1: right? Same technology. It's a platform technology. We just—it's just a different target. All you got to change is how you target it. Well,
0: now uh, there's other kinds of invasive species now. Mm-hmm. Um, plants and whatnot. Does this work with plants as well?
1: So we don't, we haven't tested anything with with plant systems. The issue is they take things up differently. So we'd probably have to use a different toxin backbone. It's possible. It's doable, right? Mm -hmm. It's just something that we haven't explored yet. Uh, So right now everything's animals and insects. Anything, well, animals aren't, you know know what I mean? Sorry, cut that part out. (laughs) 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 I forgot that insect was an animal for some reason. Yeah, right now we're all in, we're in animals only. Um, However, uh, we can uh, certainly... Additional research would be needed to go into plants. So what about mosquitoes? <laughs> <laughs> mosquitoes? There's some people working on that as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, all of our stuff is aquatic yeah. because yeah, water is so nice as yeah. far as a uh, solvent. Right. It's a great delivery vehicle. Yeah. Things in the air and spraying well, and all that stuff. It's just it's not something that we would. It's it's not that I would say like we would never get into that. Right. It's just it's not in our plants at the moment. Got it.
0: That makes sense. Well, I just was thinking about invasive, but also just like you, saw, you said animals and insects immediately thought about Yeah. <laughs> want to get rid about. of them, too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Those are not, not pleasant. <laughs> <Right. laughs> oh, man. So one of the things that I was uh, really want to get across in the show is, you know, one thing is having an idea. And, sure. and and saying, oh, I'm going to go solve this thing. An entirely different thing is building a business around it. Right. And some of the tools and resources that we want to make sure that the public knows is the community service that is being done at ACC uh, through sure. their biosciences uh, incubator and things like that. How has that helped you or impacted you? And how, what difference does it make in building a business and knowing that you have that kind of facility? Yeah,
1: so um... – First to start, you know, um, I hear people say like, you know, I'm totally self-made. I did this from the ground up or whatever. That's BS. Right. No one is self-made. We <laughs> exist within a community, right? <laughs> and there's no way I could have built this business without ACC's program. Their bioscience incubator is phenomenal. There's nothing like it else in the country. I don't know how you would go from an idea to a biotech company without the services that they provide. Well. And the more that um, community and um Increases And Mm. we bring in more different groups at ACC. I mean, I'd love to have some marketing interns from there. Maybe there's some coding against Mm. some of them. They have a great resource of local students learning really cool technology and skills and trade skills that we could absolutely utilize. And being able to pull from that community has been phenomenal. Right.
0: Yeah, Well, that's the same thing that I keep hearing is just it's just that not only is the incubator providing all the tools, they, I mean, you don't have to invest millions and, millions and millions of dollars for this lab. Right. You just share this, but also it's just the people, you know, the people that come from it, you know, the students that are just really eager to learn. And, uh, and they're
1: talented. Yeah. They're talented students and their program is great. And the people who are working, there, I mean, these are. Talented smart students learning really cool technology and they're right at our fingertips and for a low cost. I mean think I mean my friends that are in the startup world most mm. of them are you know apps right and they're then mm. the kind of the software the, the yeah. software space mm-hmm. and you know. They're always asking me. I always laugh when someone says, "Well, what about hiring? Is that going to be a challenge?" I'm like, "Hell no! It's the <laughs> least thing that I'm worried about." Are you kidding? I just hired a scientist. Um, you know, back in October, and I put out. You know, I, I put out a uh, you know the job posting. I got over a hundred good applications wow. within thirty days. Wow! And you know, the scientist that we hired, she is phenomenal. And yeah. then the support the techs that we have at mm-hmm. ACC, every single one of them is phenomenal. Wow. So, I mean, it's just, yeah, uh, hiring is not an issue okay. for you if, if you yeah. work with, you know, in the bioscience incubator. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. It's amazing. Uh, the, 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 what this speaks to me, the system that's been built is truly a service not only for the people that are looking to get – I mean, because that's a concern for students too. It's like I want to go learn. I don't know what I want to learn, but the, the ultimate goal is – is I want to get a job right. you know, after, after schooling. And so to be able to have a, a, for lack of a better word, ecosystem that not only trains you in uh, whatever you're interested in, but also kind of has the that ability to help place you. Yeah, really and that,
1: So, you know, the Emily, who I just hired, um, you know, she didn't come through the ACC system. Mm-hmm. She uh, got her master's in, at OU and brought her in. Um, but we had, on the short list, the two other people out of the three that were on our short list were both um, from the ACC program. Wow. And when we didn't, I, I felt so bad because they were so qualified. It was mm-hmm. just that Emily was supremely qualified so i um sent out letters of recommendations to other people that i had worked with in the past Mm -hmm. and um i know one of them has received a job offer at a company i used to work for and the other one i'm not i have to follow up with her to see if she's landed it yet but yeah because the thing is i mean you get to know these students and yeah they're they're looking for jobs and i mean whether it's with my company or through my network Mm -hmm. they still get access to me and that means my entire network and if i think you're a good lab person, a good scientist, I'm going to go to the bat for you right. and I'll get you somewhere because then that looks good on me too. Exactly. You know? And on top of well, that, I just like to help people out. So, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, there is this thing that, that um, is super important for the audience out there. It's building your relationships. I always tell people it's like, you know, never burn a bridge. Always be kind. Always be you know, kind to others and always see how you can help. It's not always about, you know, how you can be helped. It's how you can help others because this relationship, these networks over time just continue to grow. They right. continue to grow and continue to grow, and at one point you're like, "Oh, I know this person that does this," and you're able to. You just never know what the future holds. As as we just discussed, uh, everything evolves and unfolds in front of you, and you, it's always good to have those kind of relationships. Um, yeah. and, and continue to build them and focus on them. Yeah, you know, a lot right. of times, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, I, I've got a 16 year old daughter, and 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 there's things practices called ghosting, and you don't care about certain people. <laughs> sure. like, you, 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 as a parent, you're like, no you don't do that kind of stuff because yeah. because here's why the long game is that we're a community yeah back to what your point was in that you don't ever do things by yourself it's always takes others and others have specialized skills to help you get to that nothing happens
1: within a vacuum there's always an ecosystem around Mm -hmm. it right Mm -hmm. and just you know again back to the the comedy my philosophical existential thoughts on the combination of sociology and molecular biology you know systems all the way down Um, anything that happens with an ecosystem invasive species things like that impacts the entire ecosystem and anything that I do to somebody else I'm working with impacts that entire ecosystem. Yeah. So it's not just, you know, my actions, it's also how I build that network. Right. Um, and the more I can help out the students at ACC, the more they can help me out and the right. program gets stronger. Mm-hmm.
0: No, That makes complete sense. So speaking of that, um, many people out there are, are, they found a problem they want to solve. Uh, maybe you want to go down the entrepreneurial path. What would your advice be?
1: Um, yeah, be be ready because it's never going to be as easy as you expect it to be. Um, it has these last few years have been incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. Every time you think, Oh, if I just win this project or if I just get this thing or just have this level of cash flow, it's gonna be easier. It's not. It just gets harder. It's always gonna be harder. And the only reason to do this is not because you want to get rich quick. Right. It's because you really care about what you're doing. Yeah. If you don't – if you aren't insanely passionate about it or you just can't, aren't the type of person who can't – who can see yourself doing something, um, working for somebody else, then this isn't for you. It's simply if if you think you could – you know, if you can tolerate working at a large company – And you're like, well, that's fine. I'm working for the weekend or I really like working for this large company. I like having a big community and stability. There's a lot of benefits there. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't for some odd bizarre reason repulse you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) stability and good pay, for some reason you don't like those things, Um, you know, anyway, sorry, I'll say that more clearly. This is only for people who need it. Right. it's not for people who want to try something new. You see a lot of this startup tourism, people who come through and they just have this, oh yeah, it's going to be great and I'm going and Austin has so much fun stuff for the startup community mm-hmm. too. They're more about the community and trying to, you know, they 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 want the label of entrepreneur mm-hmm. more than they want their company to succeed. Right. Or, you know, they want validation in the form of people telling them they're great and they win this competition or maybe you get some investment or something like that more than they really love their company or think that what they're doing is important and i just i can't imagine those people being successful in the long term right
0: yeah no i, I completely agree with you everything that you've said resonates with you it's it's that thing that uh, that uh, you get up for every single morning right. and it and it's that passion that drives you there's this calling inside that you just have to answer to and and you're right if you look at entrepreneurs as a job it's not going to be there it's one of those things that you know, you know, go do something else that right. that uh, is that job and gives you a free weekends and gives you a free time because uh, as you pointed out a DIY and do it all yourself and you know that takes you know sometimes you know working till two and three in the morning and and, and, and on a, you know right. seven days a week just because you have to build.
1: Right. And then it becomes even more difficult to just balance things. Like when we were talking earlier, I have four kids Mm -hmm. and they all have amazing things they're doing. They're great. And I've always put the family before everything else. Mm -hmm. However, you know, I, have found a way to balance that the work life balance. I've got a good thing going for that. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the stability issue, the Mm -hmm. waking up, you know, I'd say about 40% of the time um with just crippling anxiety about oh i gotta do so much today <laughs> you know that's hard there's yeah. it's it's a challenge and it's and then it's hard to be then stay focused and know what you need how to how to correct so that you can be there for the people that need you whether that's in the job i hate to even call it a job mm-hmm. in your endeavors in general or with your familial relationships and everything else mm-hmm. it is a uh, it is a you have to constantly be on and it's uncomfortable and it should be uncomfortable and i think in a lot of ways um and a good friend of mine who's also in the startup community said this to me a couple weeks ago and he's like you know discomfort is good discomfort breeds character discomfort lets you know where your limits are mm-hmm. and um if you're not willing to plumb the depths of discomfort yeah because <laughs> yeah. that's what this. how is.
0: do you discover if yeah. you don't do that i had a conversation with an gentleman maybe a year ago and he Summed it up, it's like entrepreneurism is a spiritual journey because you wake up every morning, look at yourself in the mirror and say, okay. And and you've got to answer to yourself, right? And so the self-discovery, the depths of who you are uh, comes out in this journey. So if you're ready to take that on and you've got an idea and a passion and a calling, go for it. If it's just this cool idea that's going to make me a lot of money, you know, likely likely there's – Go buy a lottery
1: uh, ticket. You'll have a better (laughs) chance. (laughs) Yeah. you have already lost coming in with yeah.
0: that attitude. It's going yeah. to be harsh, but yeah, you know. yeah. For, for sure. Well, I certainly have enjoyed this conversation. I, I I learned a lot of you know the work that you're doing, and I you know have much respect for the work you're doing. And I I know that us in Austin, we we know that this issue is is real and it needs to be taken care of. Right. And I'm, I'm glad there's people like you, the entrepreneurs like you, that are they're that having to deal with the facing the, the entrepreneurism. but you're doing it. And, uh, just know that there's people like me that really value the work that you're doing because, because it, it does impact the entire environment and I'm part of that, that whole ecosystem. Right. So yeah. thank you very much for the work. Thank you, do. you.
1: I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
0: Take care. You never know where the journey is going to take you. Thank you again, John, for your work and sharing your story. To learn more about the work of EQO and the ACC Bioscience Incubator, please visit the links in our show notes. Science in the Mall, y'all, is created in partnership between Founding Media and Austin Community College Bioscience Incubator.